Hey, what's up, Parkview family? It's Montel Jordan, and you guys know Kristen and I love you so much. We love the way you do church because it's based on the very first church in the book of Acts. And every once in a while, it's good to go back to the beginning and remember, this is how we do it. Hey, hey, how we doing? Good, good, good. Welcome to everybody around Orland this weekend. Welcome to everybody in New Lenox, everybody at Homer Glen, everybody online. It's going to be a great weekend as we dive into this brand new series where we're studying through some of the book of Acts uh, for the next few weeks. And also, I have my daughter, Ruby, uh, here with me this weekend, right? And uh, you've heard about a hundred stories about her over the last many years, and we are excited uh, to teach and be together this weekend with you. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much for having me, Parkview. I am seriously so honored to be here. So thank you for having me. And I thought today I would start off by sharing a story about my dad, since he has shared so many lovely, embarrassing stories about me over the past few years. So when I was younger, my dad would take me and my brother every Friday morning to go get breakfast, and he would call them Daddy Days. Okay, so we would go to our local grocery store. He would let us go all the way to the back of the store where we could pick out any donut we wanted. Okay, it was pretty cool. I normally would end up with a sugar donut and my brother would end up with a maple bar. That was kind of our go-to. Then we'd make our way back up to the front of the store where there was a Starbucks. My dad would jump in line and he'd order his black coffee like usual. And then he would order me and my brother something called power juice. Okay, now you're probably thinking, Okay, Ruby, is this like a Frappuccino or like lemonade or something cool like that? No, it was actually just a venti ice cup of water. <laughs> and he would order us this power juice every single week. And let me tell you guys, we loved it. We thought it was the coolest thing ever that we got our power juice with dad. <laughs> and now as an adult, I love Starbucks. So I guess I can thank my dad for my Starbucks addiction, <laughs> right, right, right? I can tell him. Thank you for that. Well, ever since I was a little girl, I've been around church. I've grown up and some of my earliest memories are in the church. When we were younger, we planted a church. So I've been around the work of the ministry. As soon as I could, I was volunteering with the little preschool kids. I was staying after as long as I could to help clean up or set up for the next event. I've served alongside middle school students and walking through life with middle school girls as a small group leader. I've interned at various churches in different areas of ministry, and now I get to serve on staff at Shepherd Church in Los Angeles, and I love it. My role there right now is guest experience and connections. So I get to help people find their place at the church. And I get to oversee about 50 volunteers, all of those people giving up their time and their energy every single week to help us at Shepherd stay on mission. And the bottom line that I've really learned is that the church needs me, but also the church needs you to serve and be involved in the life of the church. And I don't know about you guys, but man, in Los Angeles, people are coming back to church like crazy. Post-COVID, we're getting so many people back in church. And here in Chicago at Parkview, you're getting church growth like crazy and people coming to hear 
Jesus. And we need people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But when we don't serve, things can sometimes get a little sideways. It's true, true. Things go, don't go great when we don't jump in. And that's where we want to go today in our study uh, in the book of Acts. By the way, sorry about your Starbucks addiction. Um, <laughs> He's feeded into that. Yeah, we've spent a few days together here, and I think we've had five times Starbucks. Um, so it is there, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, um, we're going to study in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible with you, if you have a smartphone, if you have a tablet to launch us into, this is how we do it series, uh, go ahead and do that. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6 today. And let me just tell you what's going on in the book of Acts. And you're going to catch some of this over the course of the next few weeks. But the very first church starts to flourish. And it starts to grow rapidly right at the very beginning of the book of Acts. And what started out as really just a conversation among friends about Jesus started to go into families, started into neighborhoods, and then all of a sudden a whole city, the city of Jerusalem, was being affected by the message of Jesus, which is a great thing. But there are also some challenges associated with a growing church that is changing a city for the sake of Jesus. And we find that in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 1. We find one of the very first challenges in the local church. Let's check this out. It'll be up on the screens as well. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Now, can you believe that, that there would ever be rumblings in a church, like discontent? (laughs) I mean, I know it's such a surprise, but it was happening even in the very first church. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So here's what's going on in the very first church. All of these uh, people are coming, so the church is growing, and the Greek-speaking believers and the Hebrew-speaking believers started to do life together in church. It was kind of a melting pot of people, kind of the way it is around here at Parkview. And they started to pray together, and they started to study together, and they started to eat meals together, and, and they started to share all of their possessions and things like that. They were on mission to share Jesus with their city. And again, it sounds great, but there was a problem. The widows of the Greek-speaking believers were not getting their food. They weren't being taken care of. And so basically, they came to the church leaders, to the apostles, and they said, hey, listen, your sermons are great, but our widows are starving. There's a problem. And the very first church leaders did not take that lightly. They listened to this complaint that was going on and continue on in verse 2. So the 12, that's the apostles, the people who had been living and working with Jesus. The 12 called a meeting of all the believers. And they said, we apostles should, not spend, our, should spend our time teaching and the word not running a food program. Now I want to pause there for just a moment. Because this could seem just a little bit derogatory. We should be doing this, not in a food program. Here's what I want you to know. If you study the Bible some, there's all kinds of places in the Bible, before and after this, where these apostles, these leaders, talk about feeding people who are hungry, taking care of, of widows and things like that. So there's no doubt this was on their heart. But here's the thing. As the very first church was starting, there weren't very many preachers. 
There weren't very many people to actually share what was going on and what Jesus had done. And they knew, look, we can't stop preaching because if we stop preaching, nobody will be doing this and the church won't be growing. So we need to keep doing this and we need other people to jump in and add their hearts and their hands to this. And so in verse 3, and so the brothers, they said, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. And we'll give them this responsibility. And then we can spend our time in prayer and teaching of the word. And everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmias, Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. And these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So these people are set out. In that first church, there's this issue. They needed some people to help out with this. And so they pray for these people, and they begin to serve and take care of this people. And, and I've been just, you know, kind of thinking, we've been talking and working through this and praying through this the last few weeks as we prepare to bring this message to Parkview, to all of us this weekend. And I've been thinking, what would have happened if those widows had not been fed? What would have been happening in the early church? I think they would have had a major PR issue, right? Just as the church is getting ready to go. If they had not been able to feed those widows, people would have been, they were complaining, they were grumbling, people would have been tweeting, right? They would have been posting on Facebook, they would have been writing reviews on Yelp. They would have been saying things like, okay, hello, I went to First Jerusalem Church this weekend, and it's chaos. I mean, people are grumbling, people are complaining around there. Some of the widows, some of the widows look really hungry, especially the ones who are speaking Greek. I don't think maybe some of those Greek-speaking widows probably haven't eaten for days. That's what they would be writing. And here's what would have happened. The early church, as it was starting out, would have lost momentum and it would have lost influence in the community that it was trying to serve if they weren't doing things in a good and noble and loving way. And so all of these early church leaders, the 12 apostles, call everybody together, the whole church, and they say, listen, we have a serious problem that is challenging our church. But we can't stop what we're doing in preaching and teaching and praying to take care of this. We need some more hands. We need some more hearts to join in to help us stay on mission. Essentially, they said, listen, listen, we know there's issues, but we were gonna ask you, don't complain, contribute. Don't yelp us with a bad review, help us. We know there are more and more and more people coming to church, but don't yelp us, help us. Help us stay on mission mission. And so it says that seven people were set aside, came forward, they prayed over them, they trained them, they laid hands on them, and they're set aside to serve and be ministers in this first church. And you would expect, after they set these people aside, for the very next verse to say something like, so the widows were fed. So that was it. That was the problem. We got these people and the widows were fed. But that's not what it says. Look at verse seven. It says, so the message continued to spread. And the number of believers increased greatly in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And so here's what happened to kind of put it in, in, into one sentence here. Here's the next one. As the widows were fed, the word of God spread. 
As this issue got taken care of, the church actually continued to grow and explode forward numerically. And it's incredible that that, that would happen in, in that very first church. Now, what does feeding widows have to do with church growth? Very simple. The early church leaders knew that they had to stay on mission, they had things they needed to do, and they needed more people to be engaged to reach more people for Jesus. And listen, Parkview, listen, listen. As we head into the fall, we have a very similar thing going on around here at all of our campuses, Orland, Homer Glen, New Lenox. Post-COVID, praise God, more and more and more people are coming back to church. They're bringing friends, you're bringing neighbors, you're bringing classmates, and as we head into this fall, school launches again, it's gonna be even more and more. And here's what I just wanna say. We need more hands and we need more hearts to be engaged around here so we can stay on mission just like that first church. Every single one of us, whether you've been around here for just a little bit or a long time, every one of us is called to play some sort of part in the body of the church. We're all called to be ministers is kind of the way it talks about it in the Bible. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not gonna stand up on stage and pastor like that. You may not do that. You may not be a pastor in that way, but to be a minister in the Bible is the same word as a servant or serving or service. Minister and service are the same words in the Bible. And we're all called to do that. As Ruby and I have been talking and praying through this for the last few weeks, it's been so great for us to be able to do that and pray and Zoom and, and, and just dig into God's word. Here's one of the things we've been thinking, that as we dive into a message like this and start into this study on the book of Acts, one of the biggest things that we would guess the evil one, the devil would want to do on a weekend like this is put two things inside our heads. We'll put these up on the screen. The first is that a church this big doesn't really need me. They've got all kinds of people look at the size of this place, they don't really need me. And I don't really have that much to offer. And here's what I would say to you. Don't you dare believe that. Whether you've been around here for 10 or 15 years and you're 50 or 60 or 70 years old, or whether you've been around here for a year or two and you're 18 or 20 or 25 or 30 years old, don't you dare believe that because here's the truth. Here's what we're gonna learn in just a minute and Ruby's gonna unpack for us. Every single one of us has been given gifts. We've been given talents and abilities by God. And here's the thing, the evil one, catch this, the evil one can't take the gifts that God has given you, okay? You have them. The evil one can't take those gifts that God has given you. So you know what the evil one will do? because he can't take them, he'll try and convince you that the gifts you have aren't really that big a deal and that a place this size doesn't really need them. But the fact is we're all created to be servants, to be ministers in a local church like Parkview. Ruby, talk to us about that. I totally agree. I mean, just like my dad said, all women are ministers. All men are ministers. All little kids are ministers. All old people like my dad (laughs) are ministers too. (laughs) I love this verse in Ephesians chapter two, verse 20, where it says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, you were created to make a contribution, not just to consume. 
It doesn't matter so much the duration of your life, but rather the donation of your life. Because what God has shaped you to be points to what God has called you to do. Now, a lot of us miss this, right? Myself included, because we're looking up to the heavens for some sort of huge sign, almost like sky riding in the sky that says, hey, do this, do this. And we actually end up missing it because we're looking up to find the plan for our lives. But I wanna challenge us today to not only look up, but also to look in for the plan for our lives because what God has shaped you to be points to what God has called you to do. What I'd like to do now is borrow this acronym from another pastor, Rick Warren, where he breaks down the word shape. And he talks about the different ways that God is molding each of us uniquely. How are we all called and shaped to serve? So as we walk through this, think about yourself right now. Put on what am I thinking? What is my personality? What is my shape as we walk through this acronym? So it's going to have different ones for each of our letters here. First up, spiritual gifts, then heart, abilities, personality, experiences. So let's dive into that first one. Let's talk about spiritual gifts. Now, if this term feels unfamiliar to you, that's okay. Just think of it as a divine enablement, okay? So if you have the ability to do something that you didn't prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, or if you wanna do something you never wanted to do prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, it's a good indication it could be a spiritual gifting in your life. Now, these spiritual gifts are listed all throughout the Bible. You can read about them in Romans, 1 Corinthians, and Ephesians. And they include gifts like hospitality, mercy, leadership, giving, and the list goes on and on. But here's the important thing that I want us to catch today. There's not an A list and a B list of spiritual gifts, okay? (laughs) They're not just reserved for the people up on stage. Every single one of us in this room today has spiritual gifts. But here's what the enemy likes to do. One of his most effective strategies to keep us on the bench and out of the game is to say, oh, well, you know, I just really don't have much to offer. I can't preach or teach like she does. I can't sing like he does. Or man, I just really can't play guitar as well as, as, well as them. And we focus so much on the gifts that we don't have rather than the ones that we do. Just like we saw in our text in Acts chapter six, the church, they needed people to cook and make some good food, right? And when they did that, when they ate the church, it went great because of that gifting. Let's jump into our next one. We're gonna talk about our heart next. And let me ask you, Parkview, today, what does your heart beat for? I mean, what are causes and subject matters that are just near and dear to your heart? Maybe your heart beats for middle school students. Every year, you sign up to go to camp with them. You hang out with them every week at youth group. You're always at their soccer games, their basketball games, every weekend cheering them on. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, Ruby, the last place I want to be is with some stinky, crazy middle schoolers. (laughs) And that's okay, because all of us have different passions that our hearts are drawn to. Now, one of the easiest ways that you can kind of discern maybe what your heart beats for is these two questions. What makes you laugh and what makes you cry? 
These two questions can help illuminate, shine a light on what your heart beats fast for. Next up, we're gonna jump into our A, which is our abilities, okay? So what are your natural God-given abilities? What things just come easy to you? What is natural? Maybe you're really gifted at math. And I'm like, God bless you if you're gifted at math because that could never be me. (laughs) But maybe you are, okay? And so you sign up and you're gonna tutor some students after school and help them get their confidence, get their grades back up. In Romans 12, verse six, it says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And there are so many of you sitting in this room right now that God has given you tremendous abilities and experiences. And I just wanna say on behalf of the body of Christ, we need you, we need that. We need your creative abilities. We need your organizational eye. We need your financial abilities, your academic abilities. We need your educational experiences, your relational experiences, and your work experience. The church needs you, Parkview. Let's jump into our personality. As we all know, we all have lots of different personalities, right? Some of us in this room maybe decide we're more extroverted or we're more introverted. Or maybe you're an initiator or a responder or task-oriented versus relationally oriented. But here's the good news, that no matter what type of personality you find yourself, you have the perfect personality for how God wants to use you. And I get to talk to people on a regular basis that decide to jump in and be a part of the church, the body of Christ, but they think that once they do, man, they're gonna have to like tone it back a little bit because they're so outgoing, they get a little rowdy, they got a lot of energy, and they think God is literally gonna have to like throttle them back, right? They got too much energy going on. Or maybe the other end of the spectrum, we've got people that I talk to that believe that once they get involved in the church and the body, that they're actually gonna be made more outgoing when really, they prefer to be a little more quiet and they like being behind the scenes, but they think that God is gonna take them and like push them out onto the stage, you know, and like make them lead a worship song or something on the weekend. (laughs) But here's the good news that I want you to know that God is not gonna change your personality. He might change your purpose, but your personality will remain the same. And what God has shaped you to be will point what God has called you to do because you have the perfect personality already just as you are for what God has planned for you. Now, lastly, we have our experiences. And I know some of you have had some incredible experiences and you're playing them in your head right now. Maybe you grew up around the world. You got to travel a lot because your mother or father worked internationally or they were in the armed forces. Or maybe you've had amazing success education you just graduated with your master's or you decided to go back to school and get that degree. Or maybe your company, your company is booming and you just got a promotion and it's growing like crazy. But I also know that some of us have had some pretty traumatic experiences as well. They've left some serious scars in our life. We all know what it's like to experience deep pain Loneliness, grief, depression. And if that's you today, I'm so sorry. But I want you to know the good news that God is never gonna waste those hurts. 
ever. He's gonna use your pain in someone else's life to help walk them through their journey and their story. And who knows, maybe that'll even be here at Parkview. Now, a lot of us in life, we spend so much time searching, right? For self-esteem, for self-worth, for significance. And we wanna feel good about ourselves, right? We all just, we wanna feel good. But we know we don't get our self-worth from our success because there's always somebody who's just a little bit more successful than us, right? And we don't get our self-worth or self-esteem from your follower count on social media, right? If I just had a few more followers, if I could just reach a few more people. We don't get our self-worth from sex or from our relationship status, if we're single, if we're dating, if we're married, if we're not. We don't get our significance from our salary. If I just made a little more, if I just lived in that house across the street. Jesus actually says that we find true self-esteem, self-worth, true significance from service. He says, actually, to give your life up and then you will find it. My husband Cole and I started a young married couples life group about two years ago. And I'll be honest with you guys, we were pretty nervous. We didn't know how this would go. We just moved there. So we opened up our home to some young married couples and started having them over every week. About a year ago, while our life group was meeting, we got the news that my father-in-law, Skip, was in the hospital with COVID. He's 75 years old, and he was pretty seriously sick for about three weeks and even placed on a ventilator for most of those weeks. And Cole and I were really scared. We sat by the phone a lot, waiting for phone calls, trying to check in with the hospital. And we just sat most nights and honestly just prayed and cried and worried. One night though, our life group knocked on the door and they came in and they just put their arms around us and hugged us. They brought us Chick-fil-A for dinner, (laughs) so good. And they prayed for us. And Cole and I just sat there with tears in our eyes as they prayed over us and Skip, and they will never know how much that meant to us. They were being the body of Christ. They knew, they came over, they prayed over us, they served us because we were in a community that was willing to serve someone else. So let's get really real for a second. There's a lot of people here at Parkview that are my dad's age that are serving, which is awesome. But for a moment, I wanna talk about if you're younger in this room, if you find yourself in your teens, 20s, 30s, I wanna challenge you to get involved in the church. The life of the church is so rich and so beautiful when you get off the bench and you decide to jump in and get into that game. If you're a part of the younger generation, you might've heard it said before, you are the future of the church, right? I actually don't believe that, okay? I believe that you're the church of now. You're leading right now. So I just wanna call you to action and say, get involved, experience the beauty and the life of the local church. 
I can't tell you how blessed I am by getting involved and jumping in. Every Sunday morning, I get to walk in and I check in at our little information counter, like some of you probably do, serving on the weekend. And I get to talk to one of my friends and volunteer, Greg. And Greg always brings me my Starbucks drink every Sunday. Greg knows my addiction, okay? (laughs) But he knows. And we both have golden doodle puppies, so we talk about our puppies and we show each other pictures. But also every week, Greg texts me and my husband and says, how can I pray for you? And he prays for us every single week. Now also on the weekends, I have this little mini me, as I like to call her. Her name's Mia. There's a picture of me and Mia up on the screen. Mia is a sixth grade student. She's 11 years old. And this girl comes every single week to serve. I mean, she does not miss a Sunday, okay? She is up early at church. And she stands with me. She welcomes people as they come in. She greets them. She answers questions at the information counter. I mean, sometimes she knows the answer to the question before I do. I mean, this girl could run the place. And I love her heart to serve. We just need more Mias in the church serving. We do, Parkview. And there around here are all kinds of people like Mia of all ages and stages of life who have dove in, who are helping us stay on mission. Both the old people like me, thanks for that, Ruby, (laughs) and the younger generation in your teens, your 20s, and your 30s. A lot of the people who are around here at Homer Glen, New Lenox, Orland, we don't even really know exactly who all of them are. We don't even always notice them. For instance, when you came in the parking lot today, do you know the name of the person who helped get you into the parking lot? Or what about if you dropped off kids? Do you know the name of the person who's taking care of your kiddos right now in the second grade or fourth grade or whatever it is? What about working security around our campuses? There's people who work security around all the campuses. Do you know who they are? What about the people who restocked the bathrooms yesterday afternoon and evening so we would be ready to go uh, for the weekend? Or what about the people who are cleaning up around our auditorium so that it can be ready and open for people to come. There's all kinds of people, and a lot of times we don't even know exactly who they are, but they help us stay on mission. So when we invite somebody, it's a good, compelling place. And in fact, this weekend, I just wanna share with you the names of some of the people around here who are diving in, who just are getting in the game. And this is exciting to me, because a lot of times we don't hear them. So uh, out at Homer Glen, uh, and if you know any of these people, you can say woohoo to them. Uh, there's a greet, there's Lucy. What a great name. Lucy this morning is greeting out at Homer Glen. Mary and Jim are making coffee out at Homer Glen this morning. That's a spiritual gift, amen? <laughs> Make it, making the coffee. On the worship team out at Homer Glen today, on guitar we have Bart, and then we have Melanie, and we have Scott. On the drums we have Kevin. On the vocals out at Homer Glen we have Lexi and Macy, and we have Lillian. On the lights out there, we have Scott. On the audio, we have Dave. On multimedia, we have Mike. Out at Homer Glen today with the kids in the babies in the nursery is Misty. Misty's out there right now. We love you, Misty. She's out there at Homer Glen helping out with the babies. Leading a fourth grade small group is Kim Coleman. She's leading the fourth graders right now, this weekend, out there at Homer Glen. The kids' security is Jim this weekend. The parking lot, if you're coming in now, the parking lot, that's Dave. And the facilities, by the way, is Ethan and Jackson. 
those folks are out there, and there's plenty of others out at Homer Glen. In New Lenox, for those of you around New Lenox just today, the greeters are Lori and Christian and Scott and Kathy. They're around all the doors greeting there. The coffee is rich, and also Jerry and Felicia. It takes three people to make coffee there, evidently. <laughs> A lot of coffee going on at New Lenox. We love you. All right. The baptisms, I love this. Just standing by for baptisms, Katie Peters. Kate Peters is out there just waiting. If anybody would want to be baptized today, maybe somebody will, maybe somebody won't, but Katie is out there at New Lenox just waiting. That's what she's doing. She has this ability to wait and greet people who want to accept Jesus into their life. Way to go, Kate. The worship team out there on guitar is Aaron and Joe and Kevin. On drums is also Kevin, two Kevins. Vocals is Heather and Debbie and Aaron. The lights is Steve. The audio is Nick. The multimedia is Quinn. The kids taking care of the babies is Sherry or Cheryl. Leading the fourth grade small group is Zach. The kids' security is Cal. The facilities is Joanne. Also prepping the auditorium and cleaning in between services so people's areas will be clean. Thanks for doing that, Joanne. Monday night out at New Linux. How many of you know we have Monday night out at New Linux? If you don't get enough on Sunday, you get some on Monday. Okay. We got greeters. Jenny's a greeter tomorrow night. Coffee is Janice. We still have coffee in the evenings. Communion, Amy. Amy's making communion for folks. Just behind the scenes, you probably never know. Amy's doing that. Just getting that ready, getting that so people can have that at the door. Around at Orland, the greeters are John. All the services. John's an overachiever. John P's doing all the services around here. <laughs> Bernadette, Bernadette, we love you. You're around here too. Lasky, Lori Flanagan is here. The coffee is Jim. Jim's again doing all the services here with coffee. The worship team, you have Devin and you have Gary and you have Jay and you have Peter on drums and you have Jay and Heather and Rachel on vocals. The stage managers, you have Wayne and daughter Amy. The lights, you have Dylan. The audio, you have Kevin. Multimedia, you have Jill. Taking care of babies is Denise. If you have a baby in there, you have Denise. Fourth graders, Josh Beckner. Josh is hanging out with the fourth grade group. Kids security is Carl. The parking lot is Andy and Oz and Kevin. And the list goes on and on. Isn't that cool? And I'm just telling you, and, and we're just trying to tell you that no matter what age and stage you're at, there is nothing better than jumping in and playing some big or small little part in what God does. And what you do may be on a Sunday morning, and there may be a lot of people who see it, and what you do may be on a Saturday afternoon or a Wednesday night, and it may not be seen by very many people. But we need you. And you need this. God knows you need to be involved. So here's what I want to do. We're going to pray for us in just a moment, but up on the screen, there's going to be a place to text. Take out your phone. Would you do that on all of our campuses right now? Would you just take out your phone? I know a lot of times you don't get asked to take out your phone in church. You're thinking, can I take out my phone? Because Pastor Tim always says, put your phone away. And he gets mad if I take my phone out. And I'm telling you to take your phone out. And Tim says, put it away. But I'm just telling you to take it out. Take it out. Take it out. Take it out. You take out your phone. Tim's not here. Do whatever we want. You can just text to that number right there, 65649. Just text serve. And here's what I want you to know. You may have an idea that you want to serve with kiddos or you want to serve with coffee or you want to serve in security or you want to serve parking lot. 
just text serve and the team is gonna contact you this week on whatever campus you're on and they're gonna talk to you and it may be that you think you wanna serve in parking and you serve in parking for two weeks and you're like, I hate parking. It's hot, <laughs> it's humid still, it's gonna get cold. I don't wanna do parking anymore. The team will help you find something else. You may think I wanna do second graders and then all of a sudden you find out the second graders, they just, they don't listen and I need somebody who listens. And so you decide to move on. Listen, listen. Maybe you've been thinking about this for a long time. We're here to say it's worth it. The church we have right now at Parkview is connected to the first church in the book of Acts. And it needs all of us involved. So I just want to ask you today to text serve to that number on the screen. And they'll just contact you and figure out where your heart's at, what your shape is. You also got a card that you came got when you came in you can mark something on that take it to any one of the stations around the lobby should leave okay Ruby let's pray for him we'll let him go dear Lord I just want to lift up all the people in this room today God for the ones that have been faithfully serving I ask that you would help them today feel so loved and appreciated whether they're in the front lines or behind the scenes seen or unseen that they matter and what they do matters. They're building the kingdom of God. And I pray for all of the people here today that feel this stirring in their heart that they might wanna get involved. God, I pray they would act on that, that they would jump in, they'd take that leap of faith, no matter how scary it may feel, and get involved, that they would follow your promptings today, lead them to where they are shaped to be, Lord. We know that we want to glorify you, and I pray that Parkview this weekend would see this just huge excitement built around the church and getting involved in loving and serving God's people. God, I pray today that you would start something inside of some people around here at Parkview that lasts for many, 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 many months and years to come. That they would see the beauty of your church, that they would experience the comfort of community that they can be involved in and be loved in and be prayed for, that they would have a place to belong in your church. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says amen. 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 We love you, Parkview. Have a great weekend. Let's serve together.